I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Big Squid Podcast, and today it is part two of our latest episode of Space Policy. Join Rove McManus and me, Justin Hamilton, as we continue our look at the classic Steven Spielberg movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Before you begin this podcast, remember this is part two of our Close Encounters chat, so make sure you listen to part one first. Um, well, you know, maybe you could go the full memento and uh, listen to it all out of order. Like, I wouldn't recommend it. It hasn't been designed to be done that way, but you know, you do you. That's what I reckon. Uh Quick reminder as well, if you're living in Sydney, don't forget that my solo show, Little Victories, is appearing at the Sydney Comedy Store next week, the 28th of October. And uh, as a listener, you score a cheaper ticket by using the promo code PODCAST. All right, I'll swing by at the end to let you know what is coming up over the next couple of weeks. But let's bring in Rove and reacquaint ourselves with Roy as he attempts to discover the secrets and the truth as we return to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Have you recently had a close encounter? A close encounter with something very unusual. Who are you people? We are back for the second part mm. of uh, our Close Encounters deep dive. And uh, I, we were just talking before we restarted. I totally agree with you. If aliens landed, I just feel like seventy-five percent of the world would be like, "Yeah, whatevs, no big oops." Yeah, I, I think we've lost a bit of our imagination. I yeah. feel like, as a species, we have just decided that everything there is to know, we know it already. Right. Like, even I get excited. It has happened multiple times in the last. I'm going to say. 12 months, 
I think there have been three new species of octopus right. that have been discovered. There was an amazing piece of footage that at the time of recording was maybe two weeks ago, three weeks right. ago, where a jellyfish was spotted. Yes. That they're, they're, they, they think is like one of the only kind that they – there's only one other type of jellyfish that it could be. Yeah. And they thought that one was, was extinct. Yeah. So if, it's, if it is that – that's incredible on its own merits. Yeah. If not, it's a new species of jellyfish. Yeah. And I was talking about it to people and everyone was just like, mm. What? They only cared when I showed them a picture and they went, oh, that looks pretty. Right. Like, but it just... Yeah. We don't, even know, we don't even know what's in the oceans, let alone what's flying around out there. Right. But we seem to have this idea of, well, we do know. And if we don't know, someone will tell me. Right. Right. It's but like, is it not? Are you not inquisitive? No, not really. Yeah, it's I haven't like, watched all of Better Call Saul yet. I just need. Yeah, to I, I definitely have. But the uh, you know, it's the footage from uh, Mars. And it's ah, oh, yeah, it looks like uh, South Australia. Or <laughs> oh, have we have we already been there? It's like oh. oh, I thought we were up to Jupiter by now. We're only at Mars. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, it's just it's it's just a downer, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's like we don't we don't have that wonderfully inquisitive nature anymore, and it's right. very sad, very very sad. Yeah, and that's like my my uh, daughter is very much into the idea of aliens and ghosts at the moment, right. and I think that's fantastic. Yeah, are her friends into it? She has got her friends into it because uh, she's now yeah, of she's the belief that we do have a ghost in our house, right? Because she felt the cold wind that may have just been a draft, right? As it is cold, right? But as I keep saying to her. Well, I don't know. I can't say for sure. Right. I don't know. Is she freaked out? No. That's interesting. That was the best part of it. I I did have a thought of, well, how does that make you feel? Right. That, you know, if, if it was to be a ghost, and she's like, no, it's fine. Because then she said, well, how, how did she put it? Well, how do you feel about the idea that we might have a paranormal, I want to say entity. It might not have been entity, but certainly a, uh, a paranormal visitor to the house. I was like, well, I think that's cool because I've always wanted to see a ghost and I never have. So then she's like, well, I'll introduce you. <laughs> <laughs> but if I was just like, no, nah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Same thing as like to say when she's like, have you seen a UFO? I don't turn around and go, well, no, because quite clearly if there were UFOs, we would know by now. Right. And just because you're with a child and maybe you feel you need to somewhat cushion the blow of the their imagination being ruined. Yeah. I would make the counterpoint of to ruin what? Right. Well, because they don't exist. Says who? Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. Have you even travelled outside your own state or country or hemisphere? Don't right. tell me what happens in other parts of the universe. Are you going to say that someone from Reykjavik doesn't exist because you haven't met one? Well, that's this, that, exactly, right? right. Who's to say? Yeah. It's so interesting. Uh, it's, uh, I kind of wonder what. a world what... where there are reporters in Russia being taken off air and, and put in jail right. for trying to hold up a sign saying, this is what's actually happening. Right. This is what we as a country are actually doing. Yeah. So if you're telling me that, the, that oh, no, everything, everything is being fed to us, we know everything that's going on, everybody is fully aware because, well, I've, I've read it. I've read it and it says, no, there is no such thing. Who's to, sli- who's to say? Yeah. And, and it's a shame. It's a shame that we don't have that thought of 
Well, it could be. It could and, be. And wanting to engage as well. Why like, not? Yeah, Isn't yeah. Uh, well, Roy and Gillian. I mean, there is if you're making a giant mound of, you know, your garden in right. the middle of the house. Roy. Come on, Roy. <laughs> that looks like Ayers Rock. Maybe yeah. that's a problem. And, you know, your hot wife wants to make out with you. Just oh make out with her, mate. And look, I will say this. That was a lot of mashed potato for a family of four. Right. I don't want to throw stones, but I was like, you're setting the man up. Yeah. You don't. <laughs> two, two of those kids, one of the kids only eight. The other one has to be much younger than that. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of mashed potatoes. That's potato. a lot of mashed potatoes. That's a lot of potatoes. That's a lot of carb load. Yeah. It's a very different time. Very different time. <laughs> that's very true. Uh, Roy and Gillian making their way to the mountain is, that's all pretty thrilling stuff. Uh, they get away from the military pretty easily. Yeah, military. I don't even know what they're doing. They're apparently. useless. They're too busy coming up with toxic waste dumps to <laughs> worry got, about actual we got cows to gas. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, we don't have time We're for busy. this. Hey, does the third guy that's with him does he die on the mountain or is he just knocked out? No, I think uh, I took it as we just needed to show that other characters, yeah, were willing to breathe the air and make the journey, yeah, but we don't want. We don't, we, we don't want Bridge playing Nana on the way. We yeah. just we just want it to be these two characters, but it wouldn't be believable for them to be the only two yeah. that were willing to make that yeah. journey. So we but lo- then we needed to get rid of him pretty quickly. Yeah, because uh, I was it's it's a tough tough beat if he gets yeah. murdered, he just gets knocked out. Yeah, and then he wakes we up. only just learned his name too. That's what I was like. Maybe he'll get through. Oh no, no. Tough, tough beat because he wakes up and he's missed all of it. He's missed all of he's it. Slept through it. Yeah. Like I, I, I hope he's probably that, woken up half sunburn and no idea why. I hope that he woke up halfway through and at least saw the ship taking off or something. Well, there was obviously no security screening. You didn't need a lanyard <laughs> no. to get into that. Yeah. You know, if you just yeah. wandered in, if you were a, a farmer escaping your gassed cattle, yeah, and just happened to wander in at that point when. It's suddenly become the least secretive location anywhere. Yeah. Because giant orbs are coming out of the sky. Then uh, then apparently you can just rock up there. It won't matter. So, yeah, he would have been there. He would have been right. fine. He would have been fine. Do you love the UFOs? Like I love, They're exquisite. I love all the different sizes. I, yeah. love... I love the fact that there's always that comical little one at the end. Yes. It's just like the baby one that's kind of catching up. That's such a Spielberg UFO, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's such a... Just a little... That first, the first sort of one. flybys, they come around. I love that he he decided they they will all look different. Yep. And whether that was a ranking thing or just like, well, why would they all be uniform? Yeah. But then, of course, there's the one last little one that comes through. Was very sweet. That's why even, you know, I think you pick early that the, it's helicopters that second time round. Right. It's just, it's just the white lights. Which also, by the way, what a dick move. Yeah. From the helicopter just to come yeah. that close. Like, people are parked on a hill. Yeah. That's they're not doing anything wrong. Yeah, just leave them. Just yeah, you know, let let Bridge Nana finish her game. My poor Bridge Nana. They've, they're, the government's obviously freaking out and not knowing how to do with any of it. I tell you she's what, she's lucky though, she didn't get gassed. <laughs> she probably would have been up for it. She, it's, uh, very, it's very true. That uh, when when the when the big mothership comes mm. along, I'd forgotten how much bigger it is than everything else. Like the the choice of size of it is mm. fantastic. And the amount of planning that's gone into what it, what do we think it would look like? Yeah. Because I think even back then, 77, the idea that it's, it's flying saucers, they're silver, they're sleek. Yeah. Uh, they would look like, um, they, they would be like a disc. 
even if it has a a top on it, um, that that's what it would be. Yeah. This idea that they would be, you know, even as it takes off at the very, very end, you see what looks like the equivalent of a city yeah. perched on top yeah. to give you some idea of the scale of this thing. It's like yeah. the size of a moon or something. But just all the arms that are sticking out of it, the different coloured lights, it's yeah. beautifully done, really beautifully done. Yeah, the design is fantastic. Which uh, I have just freshly come from watching the Light, Light and Magic, the ILM documentary series on Disney. Oh, okay. Where these effects came from. Right. And you just see how they made all these sorts of things with old model kits and stuff. They, right. The amount of detail that they put into it by hand. Yeah. This is all pre-CG. They would physically make them and then film them in a way where they superimpose them. That's why a lot of this I was mindful of. Yeah, this, is, this isn't the day where you would type in a, a bunch of numbers into a computer. Right. And that's not to be dismissive in any way, shape or form. No, no. How it's done nowadays. Yeah. But it, there really was a creative solution to a problem yes. that was put forward of. We want flying saucers on screen. Yeah. How do we, how do, we do that? Okay, it's not... It's not well, how much money have you got to spend on graphics. Right. It's we're going to have to think of how we do that. And I'm very mindful of that when I when I watch this. Yeah. Man, it, 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 it does have a weight to beautiful. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Have a uh, little uh, side note. Have you seen Nope? Not yet. At, right. at time of recording, uh, when, when this goes out, yes. Yeah. But Nope. Okay. <laughs> I'll just Stop leave talking. it there. We'll, we'll save this conversation for another time. How do you feel about the musical notes? Oh, space jazz. <laughs> that's what I was. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'd written it down as as well. How good is space jazz? I like the fact that it's the whole way through. It's it's clarinet. We're hearing like yeah. what seems to be beautiful clarinet or oboe or something. Yeah, and then in comes the mothership with just huge pounding tuba. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you play it. Yeah. Um, it's it's again. It's, I feel it's, like it's, it's an a, interesting choice, but I love yes. the idea. That if aliens were to communicate with us, because yeah. that's the other part of this. This isn't from a book. It's not from an existing um, concept. Right. It's Spielberg's, like it's written written and directed by him. Yeah. So it's that idea of sitting down and thinking, if aliens were to try to communicate with humans, how would they do it? And to think lights, lights and music is beautiful. I love yeah. that. There's something, it's just such a positive movie. Like even... Like, when when that big mothership turns up, uh, apart from the one person who runs into the portaloo, <laughs> which is such a Noted. Funny... <laughs> I did appreciate that. Because we, we needed to see that. Yes. Because even before it started, there's a shot of the guys at the very, very back, not the ones with the keyboard, but like the, the guys who are running all the machinery. And there's a really nice shot where you're following this one character in a lab coat. Yeah. Walking through, and it's a sort of like a, a, a dolly shot as he kind of comes through and then um, it's more like a steady cam, really, because he, he travels around and just ends up back where he started. But in doing so, they're showing you, look at all the equipment. Yes. And he's just really chill. He's just like, all right, you guys, you switched on. Okay, we're getting good, decent readings off that. And I'm like, mate, you're preparing for the first contact of alien life. Yeah. And everyone seems pretty like, okay, everyone is all, are we all set? Like we're about to put on a school play. Right. Yeah. It's a rock and roller Stedford with but a I big budget. But I get that we need to build to the, we can't be, wow, alien, like, yeah. wow, aliens might turn up. Wow, aliens do turn up. All caps, wow. Yeah. 
big mothership. I get in in the moment. I had a my first instinct was, dude, could you not have played that a bit better? Right before realizing, oh no, we need somewhere to build. <laughs> okay, yeah, but yeah, that uh, that mothership was it's it is impressive, and at mm. no point, even though I know where it's headed. At no point do I feel that the movie is wanting you to think, oh, they're all just going to get gunned down or something. No, like no. The, the, the whole vibe is, how amazing is this? That's the whole vibe mm. of, you know, like we've seen all the stresses and the... Sure, gone they have abducted a child Well, yeah. at this point. However, at no at, at no point do you sit there thinking this is all going to end horribly. Right, yeah. It's such a... Fascinating choice. Well, you know, like when they made uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, it was how do you depict an alien uh, sort of intelligence? And the way they did it was to put, uh, you know, Bowman in the, uh, like it was almost like a zoo. And then they Mm. just, and it's just trying to recreate like you would for an animal, Mm. you know, its habitat. And then it's just these brutal cuts of him just kind of like, Hang on, that's me over there. Fuck, I'm 68. Oh, fuck, I'm 98, you know. and it, But it's all kind of ethereal because they've kind of figured to try and show anything would reduce it. So mm. so this feels like a big swing. And to it's, it's easy to mock the space jazz because, <laughs> because it's such a swing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so it, like the things that are easy to mock are the things that take a risk but that doesn't mean it doesn't work no and again that iconic tune that has now become almost a trope and and a cliche that can be mocked and milked for comedic value yeah just it just really suits i don't know there's just something about that idea of just picking a bunch of notes yeah even though the guy who's not playing but there's like the there's a another you know senior official whose job it is to relay the notes back to HQ or something yeah so but he's got this really strong southern drawl right so he suddenly is like okay drop down to a major fifth i need a semi-demi quaver <laughs> and then uh, can we go up an octave okay great it's just it's just it just took me out of it for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, whoa, okay, right. Yeah. And then even the guy who's just trying to rock out on the keyboard. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, we got it from here. Yeah. And they take it up up the back on the machines and it just becomes a pianola. That was rough. Oh, that mate, was rough for him. bullshit. Yeah. Like that guy was about oh, That's to... what space jazz is all about. You're just meant to feel it. And they go, no, we'll do it electronically. Imagine, that guy might have like bridged a gap. They were predicting the future. It's all just going to go electronic anyway, well, mate. Just yeah. step aside, step aside. <laughs> the computer's got this. Uh, you're, you're fucking up the algorithm. What oh, are you doing? Mate, I love it so much. Um, the I, I love the return of the pilots, the sailors, uh, even some animals. Was that? Yeah, that, that dog took a tumble going down yeah. that ramp. That dog had not prepared for that yeah. slide. Was that a deleted scene that was put back in? Because I don't remember that. That was in. Yep, that's in the that was original. Always in? Yep. Because that's that's one of the the toughest moments to reconcile, is that okay? So these pilots have come back, yeah. But they're of an age where their families would still be alive, and everybody, some of them, you know, you know yeah, yeah. There, there there would be feasibly members of their families that you know maybe it's even if they had a kid or something right. at the time, 
or a loved one. But the idea that it's you know, they're not so old that everyone they know is gone, that suddenly is like, wow, how do you put them back into the world? Right. Well, they can definitely they fly get, their planes because they they they're in. Gassed. They right. absolutely get gassed <laughs> with the sheep. We, we don't they have time to fed, deal with that. Fed some happy gas. And then, yeah, more importantly, then what happens with the the new recruits that are going on? Right. Which is a, a wonderful idea. Yeah. Student exchange program. <laughs> That's what that is right <laughs> That's exactly there. exactly it. But also just the one dog, apparently. Yeah. That's all they needed. Who knows how much probing that dog had done to it, but I'm sure it was... Probably less than it had at the vets on a regular basis. Right. Probably like, is that the best you got? It's such a... <laughs> this is not my first probing rodeo. Like, it's kind of a beautiful ending and it opens up so many more questions, uh, which we can get into in a sec about... But it's like, obviously, well, you, you take it that Little Barry's the most recent abductee. Right. And then our pilots are probably the oldest and then we've got a bunch of yeah. other people in between, one of which is a chef who didn't bother to take his apron off for however long he's been there. Yeah. This guy coming out with an apron on. Yeah, he's been cooking. He's been cooking. Yeah. yeah. He, could, he could technically be your third encounter. You go on there and he's like yeah. made you a meal. Yeah. But <laughs> it, did, it does have you go. So, again, so their reason for taking everybody, have they now decided we've worked everything out that we need to work out and so right. we can put them back in? We know how to communicate with you. Yeah. Is that and what it is? And for those going on board, again, you have no concerns for their well-being. No You're concerns You're not sitting whatsoever. there going, don't. What are you doing? Don't yeah. Don't this job. Yeah. And it's such a specific vibe that Spielberg is going for. Also, fascinating from a storytelling perspective that we have followed Roy for this whole story. And then it's a very passive ending for Roy because he literally just stands there with everyone else and watches. Yeah, although he is singled out by the little greys. Yeah, but it's but it's still, you know, it's a very... Oh, sure. You he know, doesn't get to be, oh, no, we were talking to you the whole time. Yeah, He is just... He's just there. Yeah, he acts as a an indicator yeah. of what has been happening across the board yeah. with a whole bunch of different people. Yeah. And then he's allowed to go with them. Yeah. So But what, there's nothing yeah, I guess that's a good point. There's nothing at that point that makes him any more special from any of the other people. Yeah, he got up the mountain. Except that uh Lecomte Lecomte? The French scientist. Oh, yes. Yeah. Although that was a great line of, I want to speak to whoever's in charge. Yeah. He's in charge. Well, he can't be. He's not American. Right. A wonderful great. line. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure delivered with all the tongue and all the cheek. Yes. Yeah. Um, But there's still nothing apart from, again, he is one example of, uh, there's something in all of these people yeah. who are drawing this same image and hearing this same set of notes that there is more to this than we know. Right. But nothing that says, but this guy in particular. Yeah. Except he's our that, guy. Except he's the one who's like, I'm going to take my mask off. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. I'll be right. There's nothing to worry about. It's a, it's a fascinating ending. And Spielberg has said in subsequent interviews that he wrote this before he had kids. That was 1977. So I wrote that blithely. And today I would never have the guy leaving his family and going on the mothership. But I think it's in keeping with Roy's character. Of course he'd go. If he didn't go, then he would be a different character. So uh, in 1977, I reckon Lucas and Spielberg got it right. Han shoots first, Roy fucks off. Yes. That's that's yes. the characters. Yeah, I again, I at no point think, oh, his family needs him. Yeah. Because at that point, he's, he's 
you know, been made out to be well, he a bit of a, a lovable schlub. Yeah. But he otherwise has kind of, he's burnt a ton of bridges. Oh, yeah. Uh, no one's talking to him in that suburb, especially the the woman who owned the street street geese. Exactly, they're going to be breaking in any any person who has had their house broken into by the street geese or their <laughs> their, yeah, their car tires stolen are that's, not going to be wanting him around. That's my spin off show. Uh, that's the one I street want to see. Geese. The street geese. <laughs> it's not too late, Spielberg. There's still time. Yeah. Um, so street for him, like it's like yeah, what, what has he got to go back to? And he has seen that, well, you can go and come back. The only hilarious part of it is that he could have this incredible experience and he too comes back, same as these pilots. And who knows, maybe there's a way that he could come back and no time has passed yeah. for anyone he has left behind. Yeah. However, he's coming back to go, guess what happened to me? Yeah. And once they're, once again, they're like, oh, dad and his mashed potatoes again. Oh, fuck. Oh, we're going to go for a drive up into the mountains and fuck. see Bridge Nana and the, yeah. you know, <laughs> duck to heel willies. Who knows? Hide the carbs. Dad's gone fucking full close you know, flowers oh, again. God, how, how much have we uh, got those flowers bedded into the garden beds because he's going to go digging. Oh, man. We only just got those geese back into that cave. This is a disaster. You know, so... I'm not into sequels for classic films, but I want one for this. After rewatching it, see, but I feel ET was the sequel to this. Well, I no, feel ET was the next sort of stage of. Well, then, what happens if one of them gets left behind? Well, yeah, yeah, but and it's I, almost. I would. I almost directly wanted to watch ET. Go. I'm pretty sure it's the exact same uh, uh, spaceship. Right. Oh, it's it's in uh, design. Yeah, there's a, there's a similarity mm. to it. It feels like it feels like uh, ET ship would fit in somewhere into. If you the wanted to make it a nod, it's like a similar sort of fit out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I want to know about the people being chosen to go into space with the aliens. I want to know how the cover up, uh, yes. like what happened with that. Uh, how much information did they share with the other superpowers? That's what I want to know. Uh, also in the sequel, I'd have the UFO return everybody with knowledge and skills to fix the world. And because it's so many years later, nobody will listen to them and go out of their way to silence them. <laughs> like you could have, do you know what I mean? Like you could have a, you, you know, corporations know how to fix things. Yes. They just don't want to fix things. And then yes. these people come back and go, well, we can do this, this, this and this. And then it's like, you know, Big oil is making sure <laughs> that they're taking out these people who have had these wonderful experiences and have come back full of a way to fix everything. Like, I think you could... Maybe a TV series. You, or, you get a few you know seasons what? out. I would it. accept a TV series. Yeah. I don't think we needed an Encounters of the Fourth Kind. No. Um, but, yeah, the, the I, I'm more accepting of a spin-off TV series. Yeah. And I'd be into it. Bring back, uh, bring back Roy. Um, how, right, did you, get, get, how did you feel about the kiss with Jillian that was out on the actual lips before uh, he's, he left? He's fucking moved on. He is. He has <laughs> in for a penny, all, in for a pound at that point. You know, she looks oh, a little. You know nice. what? This is. Um, you you kind of look like my wife, but you believe in the shit I believe in. Oh, and a very less than subtle. Oh, I only got burnt on half my face. You look like you got burnt over your whole body, and she's like, "Yes," as she kind yeah, of exposes yeah. herself. Yeah. Not, and I'm not victim shaming. I'm just saying, like, there's there's a lot of early <laughs> flirtatiousness going on. Roy's a dog. Like, I'm, uh, his family's fine without That's true. him. That's true. The um, the, I think the aliens look pretty effective as oh, well. They look great. Yeah. Um, quite clearly, you know, probably some kids in there. Very definitely, kids in suits. That's all right. And then the one that's uh, doing the musical notes that 
Yeah. I remember being taught that at school, the, you know, right. so far me, Ray Doe was always done with like, the dough was a fist and then you'd work your right. way up. So all those hand signals um, took me back. I was like, that's right. We were taught that at school. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, that alien, you know, you're not trying to make something that looks human-like. Yeah. So that works very well. The first one that comes out with the very long gangly arms and legs. Oh, yeah. It's probably the most confronting thing. Yeah. And that uh, when the little ones come out, I don't know, I was expecting them to have the classic uh, grey alien sort of big black eyes. Yeah. They have more like big goldfish eyes. Yeah. Which I found more confronting. Yeah, because <laughs> you're not expecting them. <laughs> no, not at all. This is going to be a very specific reference for anyone who has watched the final Ziggy Stardust uh, film clip, but there is a <laughs> point where I think Bowie is about to sing Changes and if you look into the audience, you see a woman in the audience who puts her arms out and I'm like, wait a minute, is she the one who plays that big gangly alien <laughs> at the end of Close and Cows? Anyway, a very specific reference and if anyone uh, remembers what I'm talking about, Go, and if it's not, you go and find it. Go find it. Go and find it. Take a screen grab. Send it through. <laughs> send it through. But, uh, yeah, it's a, you know, like I'm even interested as to know why, how, how did they know that they'd want to take some other people on board with them? Like, yeah, that seems to be an assumption on our part. Right. Whether and, it's because, well, we found the planes, but all those pilots had, had gone. Right. Which suggests that they had... Um, wanted to take these people it, yeah because initially you're thinking oh they're going to try to ambush them it's going to be an inside job and maybe they're all sent you know as donnie darko not donnie darko donnie brasco style they're right. going to go infiltrate from the inside oh yeah go deep undercover type of thing yeah uh we still don't really know their motivations right but again it's nice to see that the despite all the cover-ups and the gassing of livestock, that the military in this have seemingly altruistic intentions of we just want to reach out across the divide to this higher intelligence that has right. come all this way, rather than we don't trust them something, we need to get them before they get us type of attitude, which is a very common yeah. narrative choice. So I really liked that idea. Yeah. But yeah, we, no one sort of really checked with the aliens. No one really seemed to care to ask any questions of the people who who had been getting these visions. Right. Have, have you been told anything else? How are they, are they communicating with any kind of other language? Maybe that UFO takes off and they go, right, we've sent all these psychic vibes out to you guys. Richard Dreyfus, that's good. <laughs> and hang on, who are you guys in the red jumpsuits? And like, oh, no, we weren't getting psychic vibes. It's yeah. like, oh, fuck, you've... You sent us the wrong people. You're not what we need at all. It's those old people in the helicopter that you flew off. But apparently he's fully vaxxed. Fully vaxxed. Yeah. <laughs> so he's that, that is a nice thing. Um, hey, apparently they needed to know what his blood type was. I don't know how that's going to come up. No, no. I don't think you need to give a transfusion to an alien on board that <laughs> ship. I don't think you're going to help. <laughs> it's so it, I guess this is one of those movies that gives Spielberg the, the saccharine uh, you know, when people say he's a bit too saccharine and it's like, I guess it's because uh, this movie yeah. is essentially optimistic. But you know what? 2022 has been a fucking tough year. I'm right in the mood for this. I thought it was pitch perfect. Yeah. I thought it it really walked the line of being uh, something that within reason is, is a good kids movie. 
Yeah. Like, I, I do watch a lot of things now through the prism of, okay, could I watch this with my daughter? Yeah. Like I was watching the Ghostbusters Afterlife movie. Oh, thinking, yeah. I think she'd really dig this because this kid's in it now. Yeah. Until you see all the little marshmallow men completely destroying each other on blenders and it was that got a bit graphic. Right. I went, oh, no, there's actually some elements of this that are quite dark. But apart from... How old is she now? She's eight and, uh, a, and a bit. And she's a mature eight and a bit. Yeah, but the idea of it's just people having uh, these alien experiences and encounters and yeah. then at the end, that final scene, they're like, they're, again, there's no... Only when Barry goes missing yeah. is there any point where it seems quite scary. Yeah. But even in that point, I could, you know, if I was to be saying to her, he comes back, it's okay, which is right. all she needs to know. Yeah. Like that whole ending is like, she would be so enamored with yeah. the idea that, so if aliens did come down, they could take people. Yeah. And I just know it would open the floodgates to her asking all these questions of, well, would you go and what do you think happens? And what right. do you think happens to those people and what, when they come back? And yeah. Wow, would, you know, that would be amazing. Um, and the idea of this little kid. She's a little kid, slightly older than him, but the idea of, well, he went on there just for a couple of days and he just did a little weekender. Yeah. That's like a school camp. Yeah. You know, and he's sad that they're leaving. And it's, in many respects, it's not as sad as E.T. Oh, yeah, and E.T.'s you know, fucking... E.T., you've got to be ready for E.T. Jesus Christ. As you and Ben well know. Yeah. Um, so this idea <laughs> that... Oh, uh, it, But it's it's not... I don't feel it's as kidsy as E.T., or Goonies, or even Indiana Jones in a way, this is, you know, it's still got, you can see how it was a 70s, late 70s, but still that 70s film, it's still got a bit of that to yeah. it. Um, that uh, it's maybe not, you know, it's not Schindler's List, but I, I don't think it's a dismissive saccharine kids flick. Yeah. No, I don't either. And, it's uh, broad, but that's harder to pull off than people think when they use it as a slander. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's quite euphoric. So the guy who's done very well from being broad for a long time. Yeah. (laughs) If you could all do it. Can't all win theatre sports medals. Yeah, absolutely. You remember that, everybody. Uh, But, you know, it's uh, even the way the credits start playing, but you still spend time observing. You're following the the ship out. It's lovely, yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Would you go? Yeah. Yeah, fucking oath I would. Oh, uh, look. I mean, I say yes, since that was like knee-jerk reaction. I, again, I would want to do the, can I just go for a cup? I don't know how you communicate. I don't want the full Contiki experience. Yeah. I just want... You just want to go out into the harbour. <laughs> yeah. I just want a, yeah. day, a day trip. Just a little yeah. cruise. Yeah. You know, like doing a wine tour or something. Just, I'll be back at my end of day. Having said that... My least favourite thing in the world is going on any kind of craft. Right. Particularly watercraft. Right. Like if someone says we're doing a, <laughs> like a day cruise. Yeah. Or it's a party, but it's on a boat. No, oh, yeah. Fuck that. Can't get there late. Can't get, can't leave early. Yeah. Plus you're five planets away. Yeah. Maybe I don't, maybe I need to rethink my answer. Right. Suddenly you turn around. Maybe we'll just stay home and watch the wonderful Duck Dodgers in the 24th and a half century. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That'll be fine. I'll go as long as they give me superpowers so when I of return I can save everyone. How, do you think everybody got probed? 
I just, I just don't think in this it's film anyone got probed. No, it's a, it's a probeless film. I think other movies film. have It's a probeless been, film. Yeah, it's a probeless film. I reckon yeah. everyone is airtight back there. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's good to go. There's Everyone's no, good to go. There's nothing there's to worry about. no <laughs> leaky balloons. They're Everybody's fine. good. No, no, it's all yeah. good. It's, it's, it's super tight. Yeah, Apron Chef is not walking down that gangplank with it. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. All right, segment, who and how? Which character do you think you would be and how would you react in their place? I've already answered this. I'd be Roy and I would fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be gone. I'd be happy to... Don't, you don't have to worry, though. I'd still podcast. <laughs> Thank God for that, right? <laughs> I would be... I know you would, too. You'd have some great stuff. Yeah. My gosh. I think, I think you'd be a great ambassador for our planet. I would be... Um, there's, a, <laughs> there's a guy who is in... A lot of the back... He's just a background player. Yeah. But he's very um, obvious. Yeah. In that uh, he's just a a bald guy in a a lab coat. And he's one of the... uh, one of the first to put on his sunnies, the aviators. Oh, yeah. But he's just just been put in the right... And he's just a very distinctive look. Quite a thick neck. Yeah. Just, you know, not what you'd say were... uh, Hollywood good looks, but he's there in a lot of the background shots where I just went, I'm sure you're still alive and you can point to yourself on more than one occasion. You are next to very important people for a lot of this film. I would like to be that guy where you're front and center. You could just turn and go, whatever's happening, it's happening to the guy next to me. Right. And I'm just action adjacent. Yeah. So if anything does go awry. Yeah. I'm I'm not the guy playing the keyboard. Yeah. In case they go, whoa, hey, what was that? I know we're playing the notes between the notes. But what the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> you don't want that and pressure. Zap your dust. Yeah. So I would want to be that guy. I like it. <laughs> I don't know who he was. And yeah. then at the last minute, by the way, in one final shot, what I thought was Lance Henriksen. Right. Before his entire face knew how to frown. Oh yeah, it was Lance Henriksen. And then in the credits, he's there, but I don't remember seeing his character anywhere earlier in the film. Right. Anyway. I saw his name as well, but yeah. I don't remember seeing him. He's when everyone's reacting to the ship right at the end as it takes off. You, yeah, you see him very clearly. Right. But at that point, I went, "Is that him?" Right. Looked like him, a younger, you know. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at Bluenile dot com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah. Not like the from the movie Aliens version of him. Right. And then, uh, yeah, he gets a very clear credit, but I don't remember him 
as any other character than that. Than than that, right. So I feel maybe he got cut. Anyway, I would just want to be one of the many people that were just randomly on that tarmac. So you can be... Or the owner of the dog, because how great would that be? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I have openly wept watching YouTube clips, um, supercuts. Of people who thought they'd lost their dog and then found them again. Oh, like I can't. Like it's too much. It's honestly too much. Oh, well, there's the one of the kids them. who I thought I clicked on one thing. It was a news story. <laughs> it was like a supercut of like no, and the one where the kids come out the back going to the mum, they just see movement in the back of the station wagon. Yeah, and they say to the mum, "You bought a new dog? Like how could you?" Yeah, but then realise it's their dog that went missing three months before. I yeah, just right? nah. You so I got really upset when I follow on YouTube on uh, Instagram uh, Molly and Peggy. Do you do you know them? No, I don't. So maybe it's for the best. Uh, maybe it is. Uh, so Molly is a staffy. She's had oh, a had a pup sure. called Ruby. Yeah. And Peggy is a magpie who got injured, who now lives with them. And at one point they had to move house. And I was like, oh, what are they going to do? Anyway, oh, no. they've moved house and they're all still together and it's oh, all fine. Okay. But, they're, but they're all good pals. And, all right. the, and, and the magpies learned how to bark. That could be tough for you because if you, if, you, <laughs> if you take off with the aliens to come back and not know what's happened to Molly and Peggy, could be rough for you. Yeah, well, I'll definitely stay in touch with them. Like, I'll still follow them. Oh, you'd, I'll, you'd get great service up there. I'll, I'll check the Wi-Fi before I say yes. If you are telling me... That aliens can cross the galaxy to get here but don't have yeah. decent Wi-Fi, you're a joke. Yeah. I There's two things I need to do. I still need to keep the podcast up. Mm-hmm. I've got a Patreon and uh, I don't yeah. want to let anyone down. And uh, I, I want to keep up with Molly and Peggy. <laughs> Life sorted. <laughs> uh, segment Zero Charisma. Who do you think has Zero Charisma in this? I think it's the guy who claims he saw Bigfoot. I think he's a shithead. Uh, his, uh, his thuggish kids... Didn't enamor me. Oh yeah, um, that whole family, right? Yeah, yeah. The kids, like, you know, they had ha- one had hands on hips, and then the daughter was like crossing her arms yeah. like a, a nightclub bouncer. <laughs> I, I, I didn't connect with them at all. Yeah. Segment better or worse, ruin or improve the movie with one decision. I've got, I've got an improve and uh, improve with a question mark, and I've got to ruin it with a question mark. But do you have anything, or do you want to do you want to go to with improve mine? the film? Yeah, on a rewatch, I feel we got too much of the aliens. Right. Yeah, I feel like more of a hint, like you see that initial shot where it's really heavily backlit, and you just see a lot of silhouetted, yeah, Funko pops, yeah, bobbleheading everywhere. Yeah, was kind of all we needed. I think the the hero shot of I'm going to give you the hand signals and do a like I've seen creepier smiles from people, right? But the alien smiling yeah. felt to me like, oh, we've kind of ruined the magic. Just a little bit? Yeah. After yeah. all that time of holding back? Yeah. It was yeah. kind of a nice little tease. And then, whoa, that's yeah. tongue. What was that about? I thought we were just taking it easy here. So this is in, So I suggest this as an improvement with a question mark. At the end when the aliens are revealed, I would have the military leap out and shoot all the aliens. Then while Roy and the civilians are in shock, the army rounds them up and plug their brains into the ship so they can fly. Obviously, they have psychic connections revealed mm-hmm. through the music and the mountains, so now they use them to fly through the universe. And then in the next two films, we see the US army killing every alien civilization and the rest of the universe, not being able to deal with it because they don't have weapons, just music and love. <laughs> That's the whole sequel. That's the whole sequel. 
<laughs> that's another two. I wouldn't films. have minded one one line. Yeah. As as well, you know, almost if in in a modern day post credit scene. Yeah. You watch the ship, you know, from different angles flying off into the outer reaches of space with everyone's names coming up. Yeah. And then right at the very end, you cut back to everyone on the tarmac going, should we have got something from them? Yeah. Because <laughs> right. you do go away just going, so so what? We can yeah. wait for them to call us again? Yeah. Did anyone get a return call? Did, anyone, did, we, did we get their number? Did yeah. Because they're not, they're not technically not following us back. Yeah. They DM'd us, but they're not, they haven't followed us back. Yeah. So... It's like saying, like, oh, you know, check. Like, I um, I was messaging so and so the other day. Yeah. Oh, did you give them a call? No, no, I just yeah, I commented on their post and they liked it. That's essentially what the humans did in this movie. Yeah, they went nice space jazz, and the yeah. aliens liked it, and they just went. <gasps> they they didn't get much out of it. Well, we didn't get anything in return other than you picked the right music notes. Well, well done. Now we'll take. A handful of your population. Yeah. You can have your dog back. You're welcome. Yeah. But it's up to us whether we choose to return. <laughs> and now with that in mind, <laughs> you know how George Lucas went and added CGI to, uh, to the Star Wars. Yes. I, I would go back and for, <laughs> for, the, for the Space Jazz pianist, I'd take him out and I'd drop in Kenny G. <laughs> Imagine Kenny G. This movie would be that like fifteen would times better. Be so much better. Yeah. Oh, more than fifteen. Yeah. I he love brings it. at least twenty on a bad day. Have you watched the Kenny G doco? <laughs> Why is there a Kenny G doco? There's a Kenny G doco. Right. It's magnificent. Okay. He's fucking great. He is <laughs> so fun, and he is across everything. He. I, I have no doubt that Kenny G gets it. You have to watch it. I know he gets. It's it. genuinely great. Like it's it's by the ringer. It's ringer documentary. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. What's it called? Looking for the G spot. It's got to be that. It, there's, it's, he's a walking gag waiting to happen. He's he's really funny. Um, <laughs> hang on, I'm looking it up. I wish it was looking for the G spot. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, it's just called listening to Kenny G. I think. But looking for the G spot would That's have been so much better. Very disappointing. HBO's listening What's to an Kenny HBO? G. Oh, yeah. gritty, it'll be gritty. A portrait of one of the most beloved and reviled figures in jazz. <laughs> when, when, when you watch it, like they even have like uh, experts on talking about how he ruined jazz and all that. And well, he's, he, but he's come out the other side. He's done a good job of everyone just he's like, in, oh, this is just repulsive. Yeah, and he's endured it. And yes. he's, he's a delight. And, and no one else has dared to step up and swipe that crown. No one else right. has come come through and said, I will be the new king of easy listening. Yes. With my tennis sacks or whatever it oh, might be. Man. That is still my dream job is to have that <laughs> afternoon shows on Saturdays and Sundays on Smooth FM. Oh. Smoother with Jay Smooth on Smooth. It's so smooth you can't even listen to it while you're driving because you might crash 12 to 2. When you come back from being abducted, yeah, abducted. Sorry, willingly boarding no, a spaceship. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll come back with my smooth FM twelve to two. Such a heightened sense of what it requires to make space jazz. I will be. I'm <laughs> I'm ready to go now. All right, uh, segment. Where are we now? How close are we to the technology in the film? Or uh, so, according to Leonard David on space.com, NASA has announced that it is commissioning an independent study on unidentified aerial phenomena, UAP, as UFOs have been rebranded. The UAP study team will be led by astrophysicist David Spurgle, 
who said, given the paucity of observations, our first task is simply to gather the most robust set of data that we can. We will be identifying that data from civilians, government, non-profits, companies, uh, and uh, see what that data exists, uh, what else we should try to collect and how to best analyse it. This news has been met with a lot of positivity as NASA will combine scientific rigour transparency and a fundamental curiosity about this long-standing mystery uh, and and that's um uh like that was uh trending just a couple of days ago that NASA's what? uh very specifically and seriously now going to uh go through all of this data and do proper research well, it's kind of like that idea that we sent uh a time capsule mm into space that has like the Beatles on there and yeah. a few other, f- you know, famous pieces of yeah, Leonardo da Vinci's yeah, White Earth Man's mm. way of doing things. So, I guess it's. But there's also I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of what it is. Um, I don't want to have to Google it, but I might have to. That there were the. Uh, there's like a, a huge, you know, one of those disks that just receives input from, from outer space. Yeah. That got a spike Oh, the once from a, like a sound wave that came through. Uh, the wow. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's right, because yeah. the guy wrote wow on it. That's yeah. right. Um, so, yeah, I feel like this is not just a possibility, but it's like it, it has already happened right. in some sense. It's just... Have we looked up from our phones long enough to be aware? Yeah. Man, I'm totally That you from the future is sending down space jazz. You know, from my uh, smooth FM uh, space station. You would be massive in space. You would be massive Uh, in space. I would would definitely love to live on the moon and broadcast space jazz to the world. (laughs) You know what? I would want that for you too. (laughs) Thank you. Just me. I wouldn't get to see you as much, but man, I'd be happy for you. Uh, we'd, we'd have good Wi-Fi. We we'd, would. We'd, we'd yeah, do a lot of, of zooming. Yeah, who am I kidding? Of course you <laughs> would. We'd be fine. You could FaceTime from there. <laughs> uh, final segment, uh, sum it up. What does this movie mean to you? Um, to me, it's just a, it's, it's the importance of communication. That's what yeah. the film kind of means to me. It's like you, you meet something that's different, you communicate, you find common ground. That's exactly it. There is, and it's quite positive. There is just a very lovely way of being able to break down barriers. Yeah, if you're willing to find the way. Yeah, and how usually it can be done through art and creativity. Yeah, because that knows no language barrier, uh, and and that I, I really like that. At no point in this film. Is there any sense? It's not even put out there as a notion for someone to knock down just so we've ticked that box of, well, how do we know that they're friendly and what we should be prepared for in case, in case, in case, despite the fact there's all these military characters. It's all done in the name of our first thought is to just treat this as a, a life form, higher intelligence or otherwise, but someone, something else is reaching out. Yeah. Let's just reach back. Yeah. It's great. Mm. Uh, Let's get to the squid bits. We've already gone through the different types of encounters. Uh, The 
gentleman who came up with that, uh, Alan Hynek, in his 1972 book, The UFO Experience, A Scientific Inquiry. Also, not too much earlier than this film. That's yeah. probably where it came from. Right? Yeah, yeah. And Hynek has a cameo in the movie as well as being a technical advisor. He's the man with a goatee smoking a pipe while wearing a powder blue suit. He comes in right at the end. Who pushes through the, cro- the right. crowds of scientists to get a better look at the aliens. He gets such a prominent moment. Yeah. That I had a I had a thought of who's yeah. this character? Yeah, interesting. Oh, that's nice. So uh, there were uh, the actors who turned it down. Before I tell you the story, there were Dustin Hoffman, sure. Al Pacino, Jack Nicholson, Gene Hackman, and James Caan all turned down the role before Dreyfus took it. I could see, uh, I could I see, see how you had Hoffman, James Caan, yeah. absolutely, and. I don't know. I think Gene Hackman, just his physicality is too much for the character. Yeah. I, I seem to picture him as a very tall man. I could see Nicholson. Or would oh, he be Nicholson's too weird? too much. Would he He's, be he too... Doesn't, he doesn't do subtle. What's going on with these goddamn aliens? <laughs> <laughs> Give me some more mashed potato. <laughs> he, w- he would go too heavily into the, I'm in a frenzied state. Yeah. That would be... I would find that unappealing. 70s Pacino would have been good. Yeah. Yep. So, this is, but the, the story that I find the most interesting is uh, young Steven Spielberg uh, went and uh, the person that he really wanted was Steve McQueen. And he goes and he meets How old up. Steve McQueen at this point? Uh, he must be in his 40s, I'd oh, say, because okay. I think sure, he was sure, sure. 50 when he died. Yeah, right. And uh, so he goes and visits, uh, goes and visits McQueen. McQueen goes out on the town with him and then they're drinking and and uh, Spielberg has said, I'm just a young Jewish boy and like fucking McQueen is fucking hardcore, you know. And then at some <laughs> point there's a brawl and McQueen breaks it up and Spielberg's like, is this, did he set that up or is this really happening? <laughs> He's like, I can't work out what's going on. And they hang out and then McQueen says to him, the script is great, but I can't do it. And Spielberg's like, why? And he said, I just... As an actor, I just can't cry on cue. And Spielberg says, oh, I'll take that out. Like, I'll take that out for you. And McQueen says, no, 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 no. It's a really important scene. You've got to keep it in. But I can't cry on cue. So I can't do the role for you. And it ends up being a scene that's deleted anyway? The shower scene? Um, the Is that the one he's referring to? Uh, I think it's because uh, you you do see him crying at the at the table as well. Oh yeah, yeah sure, yeah, sure, sure, sure. That's yeah, true. Yeah, man. But respect. interesting, right? I respect that. Yeah. Look, even to go, I just went out with Steve McQueen and saw him break up a fight that maybe he had started. You know what? That's like my Bigfoot story. Right. That's Steven Spielberg going right. Yeah. There are two options here. Yeah. Maybe Steve McQueen. Yeah. Called a bunch of people and yeah. said, we will be at this bar at this time. I need you to start a fight and then yeah. I will break it up to impress this small Jewish boy. Or maybe he just stopped a fight. Or maybe he just stopped a fight. I feel like McQueen impressive. stopped a fight. But I fucking love Steve McQueen. And he got so on a motorcycle much. and jumped over a fence. Yeah. <laughs> Have you watched The Getaway? I'd never seen The, the Getaway. Getaway, no. With Ali McGraw. We'll okay. have a chat off. Uh, it's, it's a very good movie, but there is a scene in it that was... Genuinely confronting and made made me feel uh, like it's it's anyway. We'll talk about this okay. is a whole nother conversation, but it was great, and I could see the it's a Sam Peckinpah film. Mm-hmm. There's something about the start that I was like, I reckon Steven Soderbergh likes this. There's uh, some 
you know, technique that uh, Soderbergh has that you go, ah, did you get it from this film? But anyway. Uh, Meryl Streep auditioned for the role of Roy's wife, but Terry Carr got it. Terry... uh, Underrated. Underrated. Yeah. This is her sort of in her wheelhouse. Yeah. No, in her wheelhouse. This is her epoch. She's sort of in a lot of films at this point. Um, And... Watching it, like as soon as she turned up, I for, I think I'd maybe blurred the Jillian character, yes, with the Ronnie character, yes. So, uh, when she turned up, I was like, Oh, I don't remember her being in this, yeah, and then got excited because I love her, I just yeah, love she's her. She's so good, mm. she's really good in Mr. Mum, absolutely, yeah, like she could do comedy, mm. she's great. Um, so Terry Gar got it after Spielberg saw her in a coffee ad and loved the way that she could convey a wide range of emotions in a 30-second clip. So is this one of her first it must big be roles? Really, yeah, must huh. be really early. There you yeah. go. Uh, director and sometimes actor Francois Truffaut plays the role of Claude Lacombe. Who got a big credit at the start. Yeah. I wasn't sure what... I assumed, oh, he's very big in other countries, but we don't know him here. Yeah, so he's a director and... Ah. Uh, uh, and his character is based on a famous UFO researcher, Jacques Vallée. Um, in the special edition of the film, so I don't know which one you watched, but they added the scene where the missing battleship, the Cotopaxi, has suddenly appeared in yes, the middle of the I Mongolian Gobi Desert. I had that. So I didn't have that. That's not because uh, I watched the original, and uh, huh, so interesting. and then I went through. Uh, the blue the Blu-ray I have has the other two in. So. I can see why that was cut. Right. We got the planes at the got start the planes, and then it just felt like we were backtracking mm. when at that point we had... You either, have the, you either have the planes or the boat, right? Yeah. And you got the planes at the start because yeah. that's a wonderful, almost misdirect. Yeah. And then at that point, by the time we see the boat, like one of the next scenes is the, the Indian um, community who are... Chanting the yeah. song or the notes, I should say. So I was a bit confused as to, or oh, hang on, is this the same? Because initially at that point, that was in Mongolia. Yeah. And I'm, I don't feel we're in Mongolia now. Yeah. Um, and then it's reported on the news. Anyway, I, I can see why, yeah. Yeah. The boat just gets confusing. Yeah. We, we get it. It takes you out of the story yeah. a little bit. So in the real world, the Cotopaxi disappeared around the Bermuda Triangle, which is the section oh, of the Atlantic Ocean between Bermuda. So they Bermuda. did, right. Yep, Florida. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So the, uh, for people who don't know, the Bermuda Triangle is between uh, Bermuda, Florida, uh, Puerto Rico. And added to the myth uh, that it disappeared in that area, a scuba diver revealed that it was off the coast of St. Augustine, Florida, and it was known for decades as Bear Wreck. And then the truth was revealed that it was the Cotopaxi that had disappeared. Huh. So, But it was only revealed in 2020. So right. that's interesting. Uh, the initial idea for the movie was about UFOs and shady government dealings following in the wake of the Watergate scandal. And that version of the script was called Watch the Skies. And <laughs> you can you can still... Feel a bit of the DNA of that. Yeah, but again, I like that we didn't lean too heavily into that. And very interesting at a a point in history, but US history in particular, that start, if it wasn't there already, 
yeah. of the seeds of doubt in government. Not yeah. just you're making bad calls, because that's always going to happen, because there's always been a political divide. Yeah. But you're making shady calls. Yeah. And you, you might you might not be making decisions that are politically or or morally aligned with me, but yeah. they are, at least are with you. Yeah. To then sort of have that shattered as to, oh, my God, the highest power that we have yeah. is actually doing some pretty shady stuff. Yeah. Um, who's watching The Watchmen. I, I'm pleased that it didn't make this into this into the film because that would have yeah, been probably, you know, pretty avant-garde at the time. Yeah. But it would be really dated by now. Yeah. And, you know. Because you've had a lot of that since. I like this film. I, like, like, I, like I really like the idea, yeah. again, of it's just, what if aliens came to Earth? and no well, We wouldn't try to shoot them. And no one was an asshat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the sheep might have another idea on it. No, but, the sheep know. are furious. <laughs> uh, taxi driver writer Paul Schrader sent in a version called Kingdom Come that was more of a political thriller, but Spielberg and the studio rejected it. Uh, John Williams worked with Spielberg to create the five-note musical method of communication. He enlisted a mathematician to calculate the number of five-note combinations they could possibly make with a 12-note scale. That was... Do you want to take a guess of how many? How many times they uh, tried how, to work it out? Uh, to, no, the number of... Uh, how many combinations they could make? Out of those notes? Yeah. Uh, oh, because when the oh right, so when the board's going haywire, yeah, it's always still using those notes. Yeah. Oh gosh, um, one hundred twenty thousand. Yeah, one hundred thirty-four thousand combinations. What? Yeah, and wow. then Williams created one hundred distinct versions, and then they whittled the combination down one by one until they got to the one they use in the film. I'm going to say it. I like that so much more than just it sounded nice. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, because sometimes it's just like that hilarious scene in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, Harrison Ford just had horrible uh, stomach bug that day. Yeah. So we had to cut the scene. So it's just funny. He just pulls the gun out and shoots him. Yeah. Haha, that's funny. But I like the idea that, no, no, we toiled over this. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like it's iconic. Yeah, and it, it was it, worth it. And it speaks to the idea behind this is how would they communicate? Yeah. What notes would they choose? Well, why would they be choosing those notes? Yeah. It's, yeah, you, you, you're not just being flippant about it. Yeah. Spielberg, at one point, I was very excited when we locked this in because I had this ready for you. <laughs> Spielberg, at one point, wanted the aliens to be non-human and gliding instead of walking. He went... Uh, he even went as far as to design a grey spandex suit and roller skates that would, I'm going to wait for you to stop drinking, would be worn by an orangutan. And when they tried to film it, the orangutan took off the skates and walked straight over to its owner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That is so good, right? That's... Fantastic. Oh, man. To even get to that point of we're actually physically going to test this. I was laughing so hard writing this guy. That, that footage exists. You would film yeah. that to test oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be. Oh, my gosh. I need to see that. So I, bad. I would, if not, I just I will find my own orangutan and put it on roller skates. My self-control and not ringing you and telling you <laughs> that immediately is... But just that, you know, how smart certain 
members of the ape community. Yeah, don't get me started on chimps. I just don't have any time for them. Right. But that an orangutan would be sitting there with a set of roller skates on and just go, fuck this for a joke. No. What is this? No. Take them off, go back to its owner and just go, can we go now? Yeah, I've had enough. Are they done? Time for nine eyes. The- and then it unzips its orangutan suit and it's actually an alien. Yes. <laughs> yeah, amazing. <laughs> no one saw that coming. That's brilliant. What a tremendous idea. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Uh, the alien who bids farewell is an animatronic puppet that had a crew of seven puppeteers working it. This puppet inspired Spielberg to wonder, what if this little guy didn't get back on the mothership? There and that's go. how we get to E.T. There we go. So that all makes sense. Spielberg and George Lucas... What both- a great idea. He's too busy doing the hand signals yeah. to notice that the door goes up and... Yeah. Oh, hey. And he's like, you know, well, thank you, friend. Yeah. We have communicated through yeah. music and the gesture of hands and... Oh, for Fuck's sake. Yeah, and then you see a dart hit the back of his <laughs> neck. He passes out and suddenly... And the dog you know, pisses on him. Yeah, and then suddenly they're crumbing him. Um, <laughs> that's what I reckon would actually happen if aliens came. Oh, what did uh, that taste like? Yeah. It's, it's your second question. Yeah. <laughs> can we have sex with it? What does it taste yeah, like? Can you fuck it? Can you, you can do both. It? Maybe you can do both. I want to get T-shirts made up, made up that say "Aliens." Can you fuck it? Can you eat it? Uh. Oh man! So as uh, Spielberg and George Lucas both had their movies coming out in 1977, and Lucas didn't think his film would make back its budget, so he and Spielberg had a wager that they'd give each other two and a half percent of profits of their to each other of their respective films. That's right. That yes. was a little uh, mate's bet they yeah. had. That's right. And Lucas underestimated his movie with the difference in payouts being forty million dollars to Spielberg. Forty million. What a sweet little something. But you know what? Lucas did okay as well. Yeah, I think I think they're both fine. They're fine. They're fine. Spielberg was unhappy with the film because he didn't have enough time to finish it, and Columbia Pictures, who were going through tough financial troubles, insisted he have it ready for 1977. Three years later, they allowed Spielberg to finish the movie under one condition. He had to show the inside of the mothership to give the studio's marketing department an angle to sell this new version. Spielberg capitulated, added new scenes, and cutting others to make the special edition. He was unhappy with that scene, though, and later cut it for the collector's edition home video release. Oh, okay. I wasn't aware that either of those had happened. So there's a scene where you go right inside the ship and you see all around. No, you don't need that. It's... Look, I can see... I can see how there is a world where at the... A modern day way of thinking would say, we see the ship. Yeah. We see the aliens. Well, we want to see in the ship. Yeah. And that would be like... Well, that's for the next film. Yeah. You know, this film, they come down, humans go on board, next film we see what happens next. So I understand why they would feel they would feel that, that they need the, the all the way in. Mm. But I like the idea that there's a, a good film should have you, not with questions you need answered, mm. but leave you with enough to then feed yourself as to what you think happens next. Yeah. I think so, And too. seeing inside, I think, ruins that. Again, yeah. that's why I don't think I needed to completely see what one of these aliens looks like. Yeah. I went and uh, checked out that scene after I'd watched the movie and done all the research, and then I went back and I checked out all these scenes, and none of them... You know, there's there's good things added, like, you know, when uh, Roy sees, 
you know, the the first encounter, uh, Spielberg's added a shadow going over. So when he leans out of the car to look up, there's a shadow going over his face of the UFO. Oh. And uh, so that's a nice addition. Yeah, sure, sure. But stuff like that is... There was a few elements to the version I saw that had me thinking, I wonder if there's been uh, added elements like that. Yeah. A few shadows and effects like that that yeah. possibly weren't there first time round. Yeah. Um, only because I questioned how they would have done those. Yeah. Um, but it didn't take away from, from anything. No. Uh, that was Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed, as a military man sending Roy on his way. You know, when oh. he turns up. Yeah, that's Carl Weathers. Oh, now I need to go see that again. Yeah. Uh, the moment that the giant globe rolls away seems to predict the <laughs> opening scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark. That was hilarious. Yeah. Just the idea that I think it was like the head controller or whatever the term was, just like, oh, he's got a globe in his office. Yeah. Again, another use of what well, we can't just type into a computer. Yeah. Just a, a really great old school way, of, you know, of yeah. just going full analog. Let's kick open a door. Yeah. Let's not even lift this thing. Let's yeah. just work out how we can unscrew it. Yeah. Do you want to just do the coordinates here with this globe in the stand? What? And no. not roll it down a corridor? Yeah. Are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the final squid bit is, uh, I don't know if you know this, but that little boy grew up to be Michael Chamberlain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, I just kept thinking of Chamberlain all the way through the film. <laughs> oh, he's got the eyes. He's definitely got the Still eyes. fits that Boston University top two. Yeah, absolutely. I would believe that Chambo has been to Boston University. Yeah, I definitely believe that Chambo would just wander out into a, into a uh, farm chasing after a UFO as well <laughs> and come back and be kind of nonplussed. Yeah, and, and his parents too would be just like, can you just not <sighs> run into the pine forest again after extraterrestrial life forms? Giggling Please. like a madman. Anyway. Who's going to clean up this mess yeah. in the room? Which incidentally... Why would any parent, like, when did anyone ever genuinely buy that terrifying monkey with the symbols doll for their kids? Oh, yeah. One of the first things you see is that one, uh, that always horror film trope monkey, wind up monkey doll that plays the symbols and its eyes poke out. That is but, the scariest thing to put in any kid's room, even but, in 1977. Well, so. Is that little symbol-bashing monkey only scary now the same way? Like, m- my mum doesn't have a fear of clowns because clowns were hilarious and fun and mm, entertaining. Sure. And then and then John Wayne Gacy and Stephen King ruined <laughs> He's that. Ruined, I mean, he ruined a lot of things for people. Well, sure. Like, yeah. Just nice artwork. Yeah, and my ability to enjoy Rio Brand. <laughs> trying to think of a John Wayne movie. <laughs> Rio Grande, maybe is that the one. Man, that guy's got a lot to answer he for. He so does. I can't even I enjoy can't a good pic- old I western can't anymore without seeing a Harlequin clown face. Yeah, but uh, so, but I wonder if they were fine, and then subsequently, uh, I can't. They've ruined it. the Zeke guys. Look, uh, I was having this conversation with someone the other day. If you've ever googled what the uh, Disney characters, Mickey Mouse in particular, looked like when Disneyland opened in 1955. Right. The stuff of nightmares. Yeah, yeah. So, sure, I can see why the symbol banging monkey with its eyes bugging out. Was fine. Was fine. And then point. someone at some point went, you know what is terrifying? That toy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> I'll let it slide. 
Uh, Rove, what do you have coming up? Is there anything, like I know you've got projects, but is there anything you can actually talk about? Uh, I've got a wonderful gig coming up with you in Adelaide that I'm 16th. immensely looking forward to. 16th of September. And uh, then other things that... No, I literally have a meeting tomorrow about something that may or may not happen. So we'll so talk we'll about see. that some other time. I look forward to talking do you, about that Do you know what Adelaide. you're going to talk about in, uh, in Adelaide? No, you have sent around a, a, a message for a, a something for us to bring, just an idea for us to bring. Yeah. And I'm still struggling with it, and everyone else I've talked about has just immediately gone, oh, I knew exactly what I was going to talk about. Oh, really? That's my Mickey D impression. Oh, right. So oh, no, um, no. I <laughs> still have to feel like I need to crack that nut. Yeah. In a satisfying way. Yeah. Uh, but I'm excited. I'm just excited. It's It'll be. It's just. It's going to be a fun lineup that will probably go for eight straight hours. Well, it's so funny. So, so Craig Egan was like, "How long is this go?" I put it down as going for two and a half. He I knows said, better Mate, than to ask that question." It's. I said, you, "You've got to put seven to eleven. <laughs> I said, "We're going to bang out an hour of stand up at the start, and that's going to blow out." Yeah. So you know, he knows what he's in for, right? Anyone, anyone who goes to this knows what they're in for, and yep. that's why you need to get a ticket to this. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be going to be big. one that you do not want to miss. And I have a feeling, like, like so far on the, on the bill, and the key part of that sentence is so far is you will Gleason, Georgia Mooney, yes, Limo, Mickey D, uh, Ben Elwood making his debut Fantastic. appearance in. Adelaide, which is hilarious, and Adam Richard. Yeah. And and you, by the way, as oh, well. Yes. Let's and not forget that that doesn't add to the mix. And there's also a, a, a super special guest that I'm not sure that I've even told you about. Have I? There's someone very special. We've got sponsorship. Oh, magnificent. And when I say sponsorship, I say that in quotation marks. <laughs> but anyway. So that's all I want to plug at the moment. Yeah, there's there's nothing else that interests me right now on yeah. the horizon except yeah. that. That's enough. And my theatre sports medal around my neck. You have to wear the theatre sports medal. I will. Yes, I absolutely <laughs> will. Keep bringing it up in conversation for the whole night. Thank you, Rove. My dog also has a gas mask. Thank you to Rove McManus for helping me dig into this brilliant film. Ben will be back in a couple of weeks with our next Space Podyssey, which is 1984. We've already recorded that one, and uh, interesting chat. Very interesting chat. Many thoughts on the film, many thoughts that come out of the film. So uh, keep an eye and ear out for that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Next week, we will have a brand new Chitter Chatter with Bride and Coverdale. Uh, that will drop on Monday morning. They're the little mini episodes that are designed to kickstart your week. And then my guests will be the Total Reboot Boys, Cam and Alexi, as we discuss their new YouTube series, Finding Yeezus. And I have an interview with Hollywood director Nick Stoller about his new film, Bros. Uh, I went and saw that last Wednesday, and I thought it was really funny. I thought it was a really funny film, and... You know, comedy is in a weird place at the moment, but it had a lot of jokes and it was fun to see a mainstream uh, rom-com about uh, two gay men. Anyway, 
we'll talk about that next week. Uh, we also have the latest Beautiful Tales for the Disenchanted. Uh, my producer on that, Sean Allen, has put the finishing touches on it. it sounds great. It's a hell of a story too. I think it's really come together nicely. So I'm looking forward to presenting a, a new one of those for you too. So that's all coming up. Let's finish today with a quote from Carl Sagan. It is pointless to worry about the possible malevolent intentions of an advanced civilization with whom we might make contact. It is more likely that the mere fact they have survived so long means they have learned to live with themselves and others. Perhaps our fears about extraterrestrial contact are merely a projection of our own backwardness, an expression of our guilty conscience about our past history, the ravages that have been visited on civilizations only slightly more backward than we. Until then. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.